welcome to a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So on this episode of the podcast, we welcome back an old friend, Senior Associate Dean for Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business, Yael Grushka-Kakane. We invited Yael on the podcast to talk about the recently announced part-time MBA format, share her insights about this newest MBA format offering, so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Yael Grushka-Kakane. Yael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I think uh, this is my third podcast in the past year, so I'm excited. Yeah, I was reflecting on our conversations together. We had a conversation pretty soon after you took over the role as, as, as a dean for our professional degree programs. And then we had a conversation about how are things going in the midst of the pandemic. And now you're back. Uh, we were talking about the part-time MBA, but before we get there, I want to just check in with you. How, how are things? How's your summer going? fast. It's disappearing on me. Um, it's going well. Um, you know, my kids finished school early this year in June, and I felt like it was such a long summer and there was so much ahead of us. And now, you know, we're in mid-July already, and I can't believe it's almost over. Um, but it's going well. It's, um, I think it seems a little bit easier than last year. Last year, there was still struggle to find, um, you know, things to do in the summer and everything was shut down. There seems to be at least some activity going this year and a little bit more to keep us busy. Um, yeah, I was reflecting on that summer last summer and it felt like we were building something, just creating it as we were going. Uh, the students were obviously along with us through that process, but we were trying to describe what the start of school would look like. And it's just really exciting to be at this place where we were resuming normal operations come August, a lot easier to describe what that yeah. will look like to students. Yeah, it's interesting. It is a lot easier to describe to students because it's going back to things that we know, as you say, and not this big unknown. And I feel like the past year has give, given us even more scenarios to envision and conceptualize. So whatever happens, I think we're kind of, we feel confident we can tackle it. And that's a pretty good feeling actually, knowing that we coped pretty well with this past year that was so unknown, we'll be fine in the future. And it's interesting, our past residency, I was just in DC over the weekend and the students were so enthusiastic and they were like, oh, this is what it's like to have a proper residency in person. And I was like, Oh, right. You guys don't even know, right? Our current rising second years, they joined under the pandemic. Um, so they haven't experienced um, everything that uh, the community in person can offer. Um, they, they enjoyed some, some nuances that didn't exist previously, a lot more flexibility and other aspects that perhaps um, they will miss. Um, but definitely the in-person classroom vibe with 50, 60 students at once uh, in the classroom with a professor is something that they have not experienced yet. And I, I'm so excited for them to experience that because it's, it's energizing. It gives you that adrenaline rush that I'm, I'm keen to see them experience. For our class of 2023, I'm, I'm very excited to welcome them to grounds and have an orientation LR1, which we're sitting here. It's mid-July. We're about a month away that, to that date. It's a, incredible. Uh, to your earlier comment, where has the, where's the summer gone? Where has the time gone? It's really, really rushing by. Um, I think that's always been the case, although COVID had a weird you know, feeling to it because we felt to some degree that we were stepping in, in place and time and, and nothing was changing. But but time does pass and, and lo and behold, it is now the summer of 2021 and uh, academic year 2021-22 is about to, to start. And uh, really, um, it, it's exciting to see where, where it takes us. 
So for folks who have not had a chance to listen to our earlier podcast conversations, which they totally should, but if they haven't, tell us a little bit more about you and your role here at the Darden School. Sure. So um, I'm a faculty member. I've been a faculty at Darden for 12 years. I joined in 2009, academic year 2009-2010. I joined right after the what we still refer to as the previous financial crisis. Um, and I've been a professor here ever since. I joined straight out of PhD as a rookie assistant professor, and I'm now um, a full professor. So I've come full circle. And when I uh, stepped into my role last year, I took the title of Senior Associate Dean for Professional Degree Programs. Um, I, that title came with the vision uh, where we are right now that we're about to start a, another, basically another format to support our working professionals. So um, when I joined, we already had a very successful and robust executive format. It's an executive and Emba and Gemba, so a global executive format um, and an executive format that has been, um, we've been offering that format for over a decade now. Um, we also have a master's of business administration that we offer jointly with the McIntyre School of Commerce, UVA's McIntyre School of Commerce, and that's for working professionals. Um, so we've had those programs, but the vision of, of me taking this role and the vision was that the role will encompass this additional expansion to offer a part-time program, which is again, catered to the working professionals, um, it's similar uh, to our MBA. It is an MBA degree in all of its flavors, um, but it's, it's mostly offered in the evenings. And so not a new product on the market per se, because other schools have such, a, such, such an equivalent, but we're giving it the Darden twist. And so my role as Senior Associate Dean and as a faculty member is to really um, uh, shepherd the team through the process, think about the curriculum, think about um, uh, the pedagogy, make sure that it fits the audience and what they need and kind of find the sweet spot between offering the Darden way and everything that the Darden degree uh, can offer catered for this audience. And so that's, that's my role. Um, I am, you know, I'm, I'm excited about new programs, but I'm also really proud of everything that we've accomplished with our existing programs. Um, and it's been, it's been uh, great to be involved over the past year or so. Yeah, this is an auspicious uh, time of year for our executive MBA program. Interestingly enough, we are approaching the 15 year anniversary. Actually, I, I think we may have passed it um, technically because I think the first executive MBA class may have started a little bit earlier in the summer. So 15 years, the executive MBA program. Yep. As you mentioned, we have two formats. We have an MBA format, GIMBA format, all part of the same program. We're approaching our five year anniversary in the Washington DC Metro with the executive MBA program. The first class matriculated August, 2016. So Amazing. that's happening. So another Amazing. milestone, you mentioned the MSBA, uh, the MS in business analytics that we have with the McIntyre School of Commerce, also based in the Washington DC area. And now part-time MBA on the way, uh, another format of the Darden MBA, but more of an evening schedule also based in the DC Metro. So a lot is happening in the Washington DC area for the Darden School of Business. It's fun to be part of, of all of this. And you've been, you've been so instrumental in building those cohorts and helping us bring in people who, who the program you know, helps them progress personally who are at the right time of, of their lives and right stage in their career. And, and I think that uh, you deserve a lot of credit, Brett, for helping us get that blend and that mix that no matter how good the faculty is, and our faculty is exceptional, arguably the best in the world, no matter how good we are, um, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to their classmates and their networking and their uh, friendships and, and just how they, they 
really empower each other and learn from each other. And so uh, thanks to you, we have these outstanding classes. Um, and what's, what I, I wanted to kind of reiterate something that's really interesting about our professional degrees um, for years now, as you mentioned, 15 years with the EMBA, uh, uh, several years with the MSBA, with the GEMBA and so on. We've always offered these blended uh, learning experiences. So because these are working professionals, it has always been the case that we've had an in-person component and a virtual component, not simultaneously like we've been experimenting with during COVID. So not that kind of hybrid, um, but it's always been the case that our working professional programs have uh, brought together um, classes online with remote options. So folks have flexibility during the working week when they're busy or they might be traveling. And then we have in-person components um, that really help get to know each other a little bit better, have that face-to-face -face experience, have that in-person experience and that, that immersion. Um, and so we've always done that. And all of these professional degree programs uh, follow, follow that kind of uh, blend, I would say. Um, yeah, you're right to note that our executive MBA program from its very inception had a virtual component to it, live synchronous classes. The technology has gotten a lot better since 2006. It's come a way long better, way, yeah. way, way better. Um, the other thing that that's exciting, you know, you sort of think about Darden and people ask us all the time as admissions folks, you know, why do people choose this program, you know, executive MBA or full-time MBA? I think part of it is to be an active participant in the learning experience, um, the way that students learn, it's high engagement classroom. We talk a ton about the case method and, and showing up ready to contribute in class. The other thing that we also talk about is what that means for the experience outside the classroom. Uh, the fact that you have a group of people who've chosen to be actively engaged in their learning experience and that group of people unsurprisingly also wants to be engaged extracurricularly, student organizations, clubs, activity leadership roles. I think we see that in the executive MBA. And so I'm excited to see what that looks like for part-time MBA students. I think you know that culture, that sense of community um, always stays top of mind with everything here at Darden. I agree. And our students are exceptionally, um, or unusually um, active, uh, I would say, in the sense that they don't expect things to happen to them, but they want to be part of making it happening for them and for their uh, classmates. Um, and that's always been the Darden way. It's a tight-knit community. It's a community of a, that um, strives for accountability. So part of our learning experience. And again, that starts in the, in the classroom. That starts in, in the way that we design our classes, the way that we design our learning teams, the way that we design the learning experience kind of raises the bar on accountability and what we expect of each other. And that also has its implications in the, in the co-curriculum activities and the outside world, because that's just the nature of of how we learn and grow together. And so when the students are in that rhythm and they understand that conversations will get deeper and more interesting and more rigorous if they sink their teeth into them and if they ask the tough questions and if they kind of continue to push on the conversations in addition to the faculty, um, that holds truth outside the classroom too. And so they initiate, they come up with new ideas, new tradition, new clubs, uh, more and more that we can do to continue to improve um, uh, their lives and just improve the quality of the education and the interaction. And, and we, we just, you know, drink it up. We love it. And from generation to generation, it only gets better and better. So. Well, let's put a pin in the part-time MBA conversation. We're definitely going to come back to it because that is the purpose of our, our talking and connecting here today on the podcast. But I do want to check in a little bit more about how this past year has been going. I know you've been leading these programs, you've been teaching, you've been researching, 
you're easily the big, busiest person I know. So I want to make sure we have some time to talk about, you know, what you've been teaching over this past year. Any classes you would want to highlight for our listeners? Sure. Well, it's been an exhausting year, I must admit. And I think everybody's feeling it. So I cannot say that I haven't felt it. It's been exhausting and, um, uh, but super rewarding as well. So I, um, as you mentioned, as we both mentioned, I stepped into the role about a year ago. I also was coming back to Darnian after a two-year leave of absence. And so there were, there were a lot of restarts for me, which was fun, but also nerve-wracking. No matter how many years you do this job, when you re-engage in a course or when you step back into the classroom after a period of a hi- hiatus, it's, it's, it, it can be you know, exciting and stressful and, and you, get, you get nervous no matter how much experience you have. Um, And so I came in, I taught decision analysis, DA, which is a core course. I taught it for our EMBA folks, our executive format students, uh, way back uh, when they just started back in September last fall. Um, And it was lots of fun. I enjoyed getting to know them. I enjoyed getting uh, them into the rhythm of the case method. Um, And I got to work with both sections, which was great. Um, Then later, deeper in the fall, kind of towards the winter, I taught project management for two sections of our residential students. Um, It was cold and rainy uh, and it was the winter, but I taught it again um, in a hybrid format where I was in the classroom. And because of COVID, we had limited capacity in the classroom. So I had about a a half to a third to a half of the students in the physically in the classroom with me and then the others joined remotely lots of juggling lots of new exciting um uh things to learn about teaching in general uh but the courses went well i really enjoyed teaching project management it's always relevant i find that project management actually this day and age is really top of companies minds and and most of our students are expected to know these skills and to be excellent project managers either formally or informally. And I, I feel, find it very rewarding to teaching them some tools and some language to help them uh, get those skills. And then um, in the winter, um, January came around. It wasn't without uh, ex- externalities and, and worldwide challenges. But uh, for me, it was the opportunity to go into teaching an elective for our uh, now graduating class of the EMBA. So those who graduated in 2021, I taught them an elective course before they left in uh, just a quarter before they left, I taught them a course on data science uh, and business. And so it was, I had a great group of students who were keen to get their hands dirty in coding and learn to code in R, work with Tableau. We did a lot of fun uh, competitions and and they really challenged themselves to kind of um, uh, really ramp up on their their quant skills and and take it seriously. And it's been, it's been great to teach them. They seemed appreciative of the skills. Uh, we had we benefited from the diversity of, of perspectives. Some people were coders who had background. Some people who did not have background at all, but were really insightful in terms of storytelling and understanding data. And all of those folks in the same classroom was rewarding. And so that was really my docket for last year, which is a lot. Um, I was to some degree involved in helping our graduating students experience their final residency here. So I helped uh, support some of our faculty in orchestrating what we call our second leadership residency. It's a week residency in Charlottesville that our students, um, uh, they get credit for it. It's part of their program and they experience Charlottesville towards the end, really right before graduation. And we were able to bring about a hundred of them to Charlottesville after a year of not seeing many physically um, and it was, it was a, and of course we had remote options, but it was a wonderful week and it was so great to connect with many of them and to enjoy their presence and to get to, to know them just a little bit better before they graduated. So it was a packed year, um, to be honest. 
I would say so. And our listeners who tuned into the Experience Darden podcast and have heard our interview with Harsha about Third Coffee. We had Harsha and Eric on talking about their podcast. And yeah. that podcast was conceived in your project management class. I think Harsha talked about this being a deliverable, <laughs> one of the assignments. And so it comes full circle. So here we, here we are on a podcast talking about that podcast that began in your project management class. I love that. Yes, Harsha delivered a great project. It was part of his group assignment. Um, actually, I think he, he may have worked on it as his individual assignment too. Um, and it was one, it's been very satisfying watching that grow and talking to him about it and seeing more episodes get, get recorded and, and shared. And really Harsha is a, a doer. He has a vision, he's creative, but he also gets things done. And he, before he had the third coffee podcast in which he interviews faculty about their research. He also um, had a, a podcast where he talked about faculty in the playlist. So really getting to know our faculty personally through their music choices, which I know is something that you care a lot about, Brett, um, and, and have a passion for. And so he, he brings in that creative component with a, with a doer approach and mentality. And, and that's really exciting to see. So our show is one to watch. And he was actually featured recently in Poets and Quants as an MBA to watch from the class of 2021, which again was rewarding to see. So. Yeah, you should note in the interest of full disclosure, you were a guest on the Third Coffee podcast. In fact, I think you may have been the first guest. I was like the right first the episode, yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I always enjoy hearing what you're researching and you know working on outside of class. And as our listeners are starting to put together, really, truly, the hardest working lady at the Darden School of Business, anybody, hardest working person at the Darden School of Business. Um, got a lot going on, multiple classes, you're leading the program and doing research and publication. So what, what are you... Uh, what are you working on right now? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I am fortunate to have an amazing group of uh, co-authors who, who keep me afloat. But um, lots of irons in the fire, lots of uh, uh, research projects to think about. Um, there's a research project that I'm it's been kind of bubbling in the background and I'm hoping to dig into it more because the time is right. Um, and I don't know if I've told you about this one before, so stop me if I have. But um, I'm working inspired by some work by a startup company who reached out to me. They heard me on a podcast and we've been in touch for, for a while now, um, actually for several years now. They, they're investing their time and I'm investing in research that uh, basically accompanies their, their technology to show that machine learning can be useful for improving the way that we plan projects or actually identify sources of risks and delays. So uh, using historical project plans, using things like you know, task names or task relationships or things that we can learn from historical projects to project a current project at hand. Um, there's been a lot of many, many attempts to try and learn from historical trends about future performance of projects. And it's been, I would say moderately successful, but this is really bringing the machine learning and the kind of more sophistication of methodology to that pro projection, to that forecasting task. Um, and they have uh, great success. They do mostly large scale infrastructure projects. Um, and my research is more general than, than just that. My research is really about how can we use these types of tools to, to improve the way that we plan projects. So that's one um, project that's top of mind. Um, Another project that is top of mind is I do a lot on forecasting, as you know, um, a lot of my research focused um, for many years on the wisdom of crowd, how can you combine forecasts to come up with a better uh, prediction. Um, one of my projects right now that is also kind of initial stages but exciting 
is around how do you find that balance between sophisticated models and um, forecasting accuracy? And how much do you spend, how much time do you spend creating very complex but exact models versus being a little bit more um, using heuristics? So, so like so there's a whole school of thought that treats heuristics as fast and frugal, right? Like they're cheap in terms of like effort. So cognitively cheaper to, to think about, or if a computer is running on algorithm, easier to run and faster to run. Um, they're fast and maybe you lose some accuracy, but how do you find that balance? And so let me make this practical for you. If you're a Walmart or Target or any large organization, retailer or otherwise, it could be an online provider that forecast is, forecasts many, many quantities very frequently at large scale all the time. You cannot afford to spend you know, hours perfecting every single forecast, you're going to allow some error, some margin of error. And it, there's a trade-off there, right? How much time do you spend developing these sophisticated models versus where do you just practically move on? And so finding that sweet spot is definitely challenging. It's on top of companies' minds. And our research really shed some light as to some of the trade-offs that you may want to consider when you're identifying that, that sweet spot. How do you go about finding that? And there's a lot of things that you can save yourself from even going down, lots of rabbit holes that you can avoid if, you're, if you read our paper. And so that, that's a, you know, a project that I'm in, involved in. Well, our listeners may be struck by the fact that all that research is tied to industry, tied to actual practitioners. I know that's something that I've heard you speak about before as being you know, the, the kind of research that's done here at Darden. And one of the things I think faculty are really energized about here, the fact that it is connected to practitioners, it's not abstract. Definitely true. Uh, one of the things that ident characterizes Darden and is, um, I don't know if it's coincidental that it's uh, case method teaching. I think it, it goes hand in hand with that is the fact that our work is very applied. When folks join here as faculty, you know, a good fit is somebody who cares about actually actual managers in the field because we write our cases, we do our instruction, we do a lot of executive education, we do a lot of what we what we aspire to do as part of our mission is driven by the fact that we can interact and talk and influence and educate actual leaders in, in business. And so um, it only makes sense if you can translate your work to something very applied and relevant. If it's too academic in nature, and yes, there's importance in academic work and academics need to inspire each other. And so I'm not saying that there isn't place for more theoretical work to get done. There is a place, but Darden is definitely a school that has an applied focus. And so yes, we can develop theorems, but those theorems have to be translated into something that managers care about. And that's part of what we do. And most of the faculty here enjoy doing that and that's why they're here and that's why we write these case studies because it's it's a way for us to say let's pause let's see what the industry is struggling with let's understand where they're where there's uh shortcomings or where they need a new technology or a new method and let's let, let's invent that method and so it's kind of a cycle um that is inspired is is really the idea behind the case method, if you go back to its origins, that's where it was inspired. It was inspired by managers, by trying to be relevant, by giving something practical and useful. The other question I have for you, and I've never asked you this, is what attracted you to project management? Um, there's so many things that you know you could be interested in. What about project management? Uh, the Gantt chart. Who doesn't like a Gantt chart? Um, it's... Um, 
It's a good question. I've loved this field for a long time. I always found it interesting. I found it interesting from, um, I, I, when I was growing up, I grew up not in this country, I grew up elsewhere and I had to serve in the military. And when I served, um, I did a lot of this kind of work, project, like actual project management work, which I enjoyed tremendously. Then when I studied for my engineering degree as an industrial engineer, you study project management and you realize that there's a lot of optimization and a lot of uh, uh, planning and, and plenty of um, interesting mathematical and statistical properties that you can start to learn about and, and apply and, and use in practice to plan more optimally. And so there's a lot of theory there that, that relates to industrial engineering. And, and so it really was a, t a thread that t was really carried throughout my work. And then in between my bachelor's, my engineering degree and my master's, I worked uh, in the Silicon Valley for a couple of years. And even there, there was a very strong project management component. I was selling software and the software system I sold um, seamlessly integrated projects with an enterprise resource uh, tool. And, and I spent countless hours trying to pitch that to, to managers in the field. And really, and maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but really it was that, that kind of struggle or that attempt at doing the sales pitch uh, which because I'm an academic and I'm a professor, you know that I left and, and I wasn't the world's best salesperson. But what I did realize is that it wasn't as easy to sell, um, which made me say, there's a research question here, how, or it led my, you know, me to be curious about the strategic nature of project management. Like how do we make it more relevant to managers? Why is it so important for the for the executive level to understand the importance of executing project properly? Um, how does it seep into a lot of organizational, strategic organizational decisions? And so everything I've done from that point on kind of related to that. Um, my dissertation was about selecting projects and, and the importance of that, planning them, valuing them, making sure that the organization is investing in the right place. And so it all really ties together. I appreciate you putting up with that question. I know we're now officially off script with that question, but I've never <laughs> asked fine. you and I've heard you talk about project management so much. And I was just curious what attracted you to it. So let's talk about the part-time MBA. So you, you started to touch on it earlier in the conversation uh, when you talked about evenings-based schedule. We mentioned that it's going to be in the, the, the DC metro area. Um, but one of the questions I've gotten from prospective students is, what was the inspiration for this particular format? You know, why a part-time MBA? Uh, why now? Um, well, I think, as you mentioned, um, are, I think that we feel comfortable in DC, right? Like I think that the, we have really found a home now in the DC area. We have found our home because we experimented for a few years. We've been, you know, a, a little bit, we've grown. We've had Charlottesville-based sections. We've had Roslyn-based sections. We have a facility now. Like so many things have come together. And I think the pandemic has really made a lot of us, um, both in academia and outside academia, think about the value of an education, the value of a degree, and how flexibility um, is important for everybody, right? It's important at the supply chain level, it's important at the academic level. And here we are thinking about flexibility in, our, in the way that we offer our degrees. And so to some degree, while this, these discussions started pre-pandemic, the timing was right because this is exactly what we should be doing right now. We should be offering as many opportunities for students and as many avenues for students to accomplish their goals. Um, and 
offering a new format of an MBA is just another way to accomplish that. It's really giving more opportunities to individuals in the, in the you know, exp ever expanding uh, Northern Virginia kind of area or DC corridor area to say, here's another way, a pretty affordable way that you can actually get an MBA, right? You can stay with your job, do continue with your life, don't uproot yourself, but you can take this, this program in the evenings. It's going to be hard. It's going to be rigorous. It's going to be everything that the Darden MBA um, is. It's going to be challenging. You're going to be prepared. You're going to be expected to work um, and, and come willing to engage. Everything is the same, but we're going to give you another way to accomplish that. Um, and that's really what it's about. And so the timing is, I think, perfect from our perspective, I, I hope. Um, the market knows us. We know the market. We have several generations of alums out there. We feel comfortable that we can accomplish this in the Darden way. Um, we're not, you know, we're not talking about thousands of students. We're talking about a pretty uh, uh, um, manageable and proportional, you know, expansion, given our size, and we're a relatively small school. So it's not, uh, you know, put that in proportion, I think our expansion is, is, is pretty sizable. That's right, for this first group starting August 2022, looking for one section of about 65 students or so. So um, feels feels uh, manageable and kind of in line with, you know, our executive MBA program, for example, is, is two sections of about 65 or students. 65 or so students per section. So as you noted, in, in line with what other things that, that we're doing here in the DC metro area, I wonder kind of picking up on some of the things that you mentioned in the previous answer, were there any guiding sort of design principles that were in mind for the faculty as they were developing the part-time MBA, things that were top of mind as you had those conversations? Oh, definitely. There's so many actually, but um, and it's very helpful. I, I don't think I fully appreciated how helpful it is to have principles until you do, you reach those kind of decisions that have to be made. So for instance, um, we had design principles related to consistency and, uh, um, and predictability. Our students that are working professionals, they need to know what's coming. And we've learned through many generations of students is that really one thing that helps is that they can, that the program is expect, that they can expect where the program is going or that there is some rhythm to it. It's predictable, it's consistent. There isn't too much uh, changes in the last minute. And so we're trying, and one of the guiding principles was how can we establish something that is as rhythmic as possible, as consistent as possible, so folks know what to expect. And so that was a design principle. We wanted to give flexibility. So one week we're doing in person, the next week um, is virtual to give folks flexibility to travel, okay? We wanted to respect their weekends. So we're talking about weeknights uh, during the week. Uh, we're very you know, committed to the case method. So it's case-based. We, we know the value of a cohort. We understand what students get by experiencing our core classes as a cohort. And so the core classes, which is about half of the academic credits, just under half of the academic credits, is experienced as, as a cohort. And that is all maintained. All of these were design principles that are uh, top of mind for us and that guided our, our design. And you will see the implications when you look at the design of the program, you will see what, how that affected us. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate all those notes. So you've already hit on 
<clears throat> some elements of the design of the program. It's evenings based, Monday and Thursday evenings from six to nine thirty. Uh, so your weekends are are free. Um, you sort of think about our executive MBA program that does have a weekend component and also has some weeknights stuff going. Um, so if you're working professional program, considering these two formats, you know you have some some schedule differentiation there. The other thing you noted was flexibility, and that's the thing that always jumps out to me when I think about the program. So you have this core curriculum. You mentioned the share shared cohort experience, but then students can speed up, slow down um, as they get into the electives. You want to talk a little bit more about the structure and design of the program? Yeah. So after the core courses are complete, so for the core, we're there. So Darden's the same across all formats. There is no, uh, everybody has to go through the core. We don't really give any exemptions for the core and that's by design. That's true for our residential students. That's true for our executive students. And that's true for the part-time. Um, we have a, um, in, in both the executive format and in the part-time, there is a residency at the beginning and at the end. Um, in the part-time, that's gonna be at the beginning of the program and then at the end of the core. And those residencies are, are intense. They're uh, double the credit. So it's almost like two courses. Um, and it's really intended and designed to be a much more uh, intense experience. Um, and, and so those are, those are kind of bookends of the program. Um, and then, once you're done with the core in our part-time program, you have a whole bunch of electives that you can choose from. And those electives are, are most of the electives or plenty of the electives are offered again in the same format, same rhythm of weeknights in person or uh, virtual and they alternate. Um, but once folks are taking electives, they also have a little bit more freedom as it is the, today where students can choose oh, there's a week-long program that they want to participate in and a course that they want to take. They can do that. They can do global consulting projects. They can do independent projects. They can, do, um, they can travel abroad. They can do a bunch of different courses that each have a slightly different flavor depending on their interests. And so some students take a lot of finance courses. Others focus more on leadership broadly. Um, some students take more quants and like management science or, or, or quantitative courses. Really allows students to kind of pick their own path um, and choose from amazing electives that um, are either just for the part-time rhythm, so evening nights, or they can choose from any of the, our other um, electives depending on their schedule capability and flexibility that they have. Um, and that's, that's going to be exciting. We have not many, but even, you know, if, if some students want to take one or two courses that are more like asynchronous in nature and have some in person, but some other rhythm to it, again, there's going to be a whole menu. So it's more of an a la carte kind of choice where students can choose um, what fits their needs and their in that moment and time in their life. Yeah, the students are going to accomplish a lot, right? So they will get to spend time in Charlottesville. Yes, uh, there's a core just core curriculum, just like in all the other formats of the Darden MBA. And that's a shared cohort experience, right? You're moving through that core with that same group of people. You got that week at the beginning of the core, you got that week at the end of the core. And that's gonna be great um, to have that, that 18 months or so, year and a half or so together as a group. And then you kind of figure out what pace makes sense for you as you go through that elective period and kind of pursue your interests. Um, that'll also be exciting in the, in the fastest path want to mention this here. The fastest path I think we feel is going to be right around 28 months. Uh, the standard pacing is going to be something like 33 months and the slowest possible path would be 48 months. Do I have all those numbers right? Yeah. Yeah, those are, those are correct numbers. And those are kind of the ranges, the extreme. And I just want to point out that um, I, I really think that folks need to, and, and we'll give them guidance and advice, but I think uh, this is where folks 
need to think about what fits their needs and their lifestyle. It's always uh, tempting to, to kind of do things very aggressively and in a compressed timeline. But then I don't know that folks always walk away feeling like they got the most out of those opportunities. And, and some people do. So it's really individual, um, uh, an individual experience and depending on where people's lives are at. Um, and we really want to open ourselves to, to accommodate that. In the past, I don't know that we've always been able to allow like personal customization. We've been a little bit more rigid, which has been fine. A great product, great experience, but a little bit more um, uh, structured. And now we're opening ourselves up to some flexibility and, and we're excited to see how, how the students embrace it. Well, that last point is such a good one, because if you think about our residential MBA, uh, full-time format that's down in Charlottesville, that is a lockstep program cohort based for the entirety of the program. Everybody starts and ends together. Executive MBA, the same. You know, everybody starts and ends together, 21-month program. Part-time MBA is the first format that we have that has this kind of flexibility. So it's a nice complement to these other things. We talked about some of the schedule differentiation, more of the evening schedule. Um, and as you get into that elective period, to kind of figure out the pacing that makes sense for you as, as you either speed up or slow down, um, given everything that you have going on in your, your life and career and, and just what makes sense. So I think it's a, it's a nice complement to the other, other formats that are out there. I agree. And I'm excited because I think that there is, there's a, a group of individuals whom, uh, in the, who may have considered Darden in the past or have uh, come close to making a choice and, and have not been able to do so for various reasons. And I'm hoping that this additional flexibility and, and new format will help them um, uh, join our community in some way, shape or form. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point because I, you know, I've thought a lot about who could this be right for? Well, if you're looking for more of an evening schedule, that could be right for you. Maybe if you're a little earlier in your career. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, we certainly see candidates who might be at that two, three, four year mark that maybe don't want to take two years off and do a residential program, but maybe a little too early career for our executive MBA that has a preferred work experience minimum of five years. And so maybe this is a format that now makes sense for them. Um, the nature of the program, as you mentioned, the fact that it has a week in person and a virtual week and a week in person. So uh, those, those couple nights, you know, being in person in Roslyn, uh, you'll need to be within commuting distance of the, of the Washington, D.C metro for for those in-person classes so we do anticipate that people will be again within commuting distance but you know those folks um you could draw a pretty wide circle around dc and think about who might be able to drive in i think when we were doing doing the calculation i think it could go all the way to delaware pennsylvania west virginia virginia of course maryland dc so we're excited to see where people come from but i think it's a very exciting time for darden in the the greater dc area just because feels like we have a lot of momentum with the executive MBA program. There's a lot that's happening. Um, just generally part-time MBA is coming and feels just like we're, we're continuing to build on, on a ex very strong foundation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. All right. Well, any other things that you'd like to note about the, the target student for the program? Anything that you would want our prospective student listeners here to, to think about as they think about part-time MBA? Um. I, of course, I want you to think about not only yourselves, obviously, but like your colleagues, people that you know that are that are 
basically at their dream job and don't necessarily uh, aren't ready to walk away from it, but also feel that they want to invest in themselves. And so uh, this is a great combination or great opportunity to say, I can keep on to my job. I can stay involved. I can do my job and maybe actually even do a, do it better by uh, going through this program while uh, keeping my job and working full time. Um, a lot of employers are very um, sympathetic to it and are willing to work with you on, on finding the right pace and the right, um, you know, load in order to make it work. And, and we're trying really at Darden to accommodate that and to find the, the pacing that works for you. Our executive format is a great program. It's intense. It is 21 months of intensity, which is wonderful for folks who can do it. And they're very satisfied when they walk away. But it is intense and it's not for everyone. And we're trying to open our doors to, to more flavors and to make sure that we fit your needs. And so uh, really think about what works for you, understand the differences, uh, reach out to us because we have plenty of um, exciting, you know, uh, things to share and anecdotes and we would love to hear about your specific circumstances and we can help you figure out which is the best format for you um you know the the gamba format which we offer in our executive format you get to go abroad several times and and and, and some folks really would like that as part of their learning experience really think about what makes a difference to you what you're looking for in terms of an academic experience um, Darden is intense regardless of how you take it, um, but uh, we want to make sure that we continue to be the best learning experience for all of our students in all of the formats. And part of that is matching the right individuals to the right format. And so hopefully we can provide some guidance with that. Yeah, it's been really fun so far just to have the conversations with prospective students who have learned about the part-time MBA. They've been signing up, connecting with us. It's been great to hear their questions and, and what's on their mind. And unsurprisingly, you know, we've talked to people who maybe initially were looking at the residential MBA option and now are thinking about part-time MBA. We've talked to people who were looking at an executive MBA, maybe initially, and now starting to think about part-time MBA. And we've even talked to people who are just now interested in part-time MBA because they couldn't really do either of the formats. And so that to me feels really affirming that we might be on to something here uh, with this with this format, this new option, that there's lots of different kinds of students who are potentially interested in this program, different backgrounds, different work experience profiles. Um, it's it's nice to see them sort of connecting with a, with another option here in the DC area that doesn't require them to take, take time off from their job to earn the same MBA. Exactly, exactly right. Well, any final tips, Yael? Anything you would want to share here for our listeners? Um, no, um, I think you've you've asked great questions. Um, I think that hopefully folks are following. There's plenty of other opportunities like webinars and Q and A, and uh, come and you know take a tour, attend a mock class. Uh, it's always true to know what you're you're bar you're buying into. So the case method, in and out, understanding what that implies. I think those are all good things to to spend your time thinking about. I do believe that the time you spend at Darden is priceless, and and folks who come uh, to take our degree walk away with a very unique experience that they cannot get elsewhere. Um, and we, we love hearing from folks who know that this is for them, right? And and if you're debating ask all the questions. We have as much patience as needed to make sure that you're choosing the right program for you. It's a great time to be getting organized. So we're recording this here in mid-July or so. The new application, Part-Time MBA, is coming very soon. We expect it to be available in August. First deadline in the fall. We'll have events upcoming. So 
you know, certainly listening to this podcast, a great first step, but stay engaged with us and be sure to keep an eye on the part-time MBA webpage. We'll be adding to the FAQs and more information to come in the weeks ahead. Now, Yael, I have to ask you one more question, and this has nothing to do with Darden or the part-time MBA. Have you, have you, have you started recovering from the England's loss uh, the other night to Italy? I know that was it's traumatic. I, I, as I'm not even an English partisan, and I watched that game being like, "Oh my gosh, this is like the most devastating way to lose." I um, don't mind you going off script talking about my research, but going off script talking about the football is not very pleasant. No, it was hard. Um, I must admit, the game. I thought the game was good um, and exciting. Uh, I it was night. It was like nail biting, right? Like it was very nerve wracking. My husband's uh, English. Um, he did not enjoy it as much as I did. Um, and, um, but I thought it was a good game and they were definitely a worthy team. They did such a good job to, to throughout the entire tournament. I thought they were really uh, incredible and I was very proud of their performance. Um, and there's always next time. So, um, yeah. That's right. Reasons for optimism for the world cup for both Italy and England uh, teams that had been in the wilderness a bit um, coming into the Euros. So, yeah, so yeah. we'll see, but I, I did I did feel for you watching that game. I know your, your family was pulling for England. We were definitely rooting for England and we did not get the result. We had a great week watching the Ukraine, you know, quarterfinal and watching the game against Denmark. We really enjoyed it, obviously, because they won, but it was also, there were great games. Um, it, the final was tough, but, um, but yeah. It's it's a good thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. So I know. Yeah. Now that now now that we've we're done with the Euro, we have the Olympics coming, so it will keep us busy. So that's good. That's right. And don't forget about the uh, Concacaf Gold Cup, the U.S. Men's National Team out there out there, there playing. Um, so we'll have to check in on them. But Yael, thank you so much for your time and my for... pleasure, Brett. Thank you for uh, for inviting me back to the podcast. And that was my interview with Senior Associate Dean Yael Grushka Kakane. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we are all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.